Okay, Rabbi Say, we're going to start a Chazara today from the top line of Chafal from the base. Uh, to remind you, where we're holding right now is that we had a Machlekes, Abayah, and Rava on the bottom of Chafam and Aleph. We're discussing that if Rabbi Huda holds that anything that's at least an egrif wide, whether it's natural or not, it counts as an ohel, then why would it be that Rabbi Huda says that only on the back of an ox are the kids protected, but seemingly on the back of the doors? These wooden boards that would not be sufficient uh, shmira for them becoming tame, and Abaye answered that in fact doors would have been fine. All the Gemara was saying was is that you don't need to use doors. Being on the back of an ox is sufficient. And Rava said that no, even though technically a door would be fine to block the tumah, but there was a gzera made that they should not use doors to put the kids on the back of because since the kids will be so comfortable, uh, they might actually be willing to stick their heads out and stick their arms out and become tame from a potential kever that would be underneath the ground that they're passing over. So now on the the top line of Daf Chafal Mabez, the Gemara brings a Bryce to support the opinion of Rava, again, the one who said that really technically the wooden doors would work, but they made Xerah not to use them because of the fact the kids are too comfortable. Tanya Kavase de Rava. There's a Bryce that supports the opinion of Rava. Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Yehuda, says, They did not use doors at all. Because the children will be too comfortable, they'll be too confident. Perhaps they will stick out their head or one of their limbs, and they will become tame from this potential kever. Ella, so what do they do instead? They brought Egyptian oxen, which I guess it seems to be the nature of the oxen from Egypt, or at least this uh, particular brand of ox. They had very wide bellies. And the children would sit in the backs of these oxen. They had the uh, stone vessels in their hand that not become Temeh, and when they came to the Shiluach to fill up the water, Yardu Umalum, they went down, they filled up the cups, and they got back up again and sat back on the back of these oxen and went back to their uh, village. And now the Gemara says, uh, the Bryce says, Vahari Mita, So now we're going back and said, one second up here, now that we've established successfully, that uh, anything that's an egg wide counts as a, as a uh, real ohel, then why did Yehuda say in the Mishnah that they allowed themselves to sleep underneath the bed inside a sukkah? Well, a bed presumably is several egg wide, and therefore it should count as an ohel, and therefore it should make it that it's a hefsik, it's a mechitza that's standing between them and the sukkah, and they should not be yotze. So again, v'hari mita de yeshba kam egrofim, the mita is several egg wide, v'tanan, it says in the Mishnah of Yehuda, Yehuda says, no agima yinusha yinu yishenim, tachas hamita bifnei we were accustomed to sleeping underneath the bed inside the sukkah. So now the Gemara attempts to differentiate between an ox that is an ohel and a bed that is not an ohel. Answers the Gemara. Shiny mita, a mita is different. Since a bed is not made for the area underneath it, rather it's made for the area on top of it, it will not count as an ohel. Whereas an ox, presumably, we're going to ask him this in just a second, is made for the area underneath it. A bed is not made for the area underneath it, and that's a distinction between an ox that is an ohel and a bed that's not an ohel. But ask the Gemara the question that you're all thinking about. Shvarm nami suyim. But an ox as well is not made for the area underneath the ox, it's made for the area on top of the ox. And therefore, what's the distinction between a bed and an ox that a bed is not an ohel, according to Behudon, to block them from being in the sukkah, and an ox is an ohel for blocking the tumah? So says the Gemara, ki aser ravin amar belazar, Ravan, when he came, and he said in the name of Elazar, Shiny Shvarm Hoyl Umaginim Al Haroyim. 
He says, no, oxen are made for the air underneath it. The shvarim, since they guard the shepherds, in the summer months from the sun, in the winter rainy months from the rain, Therefore, it is made for the area underneath as well, and that's why by an ox it counts as an ohel, whereas by the bed it's not used for the area underneath at all. To which the Gemara challenges that as well. If so, what do you mean? A bed is also used for the area underneath it, because a bed guards the shoes and the sandals that are underneath it. That's a place that you store them. And again, we mentioned that you don't store food there, but they did store their shoes underneath the bed, and that's the meat of a tamachacham, is that he does not store food, but he does store his shoes there alone. But still, so now we no longer have a distinction between the ox and the bed, because both the ox and the bed have a dual function of being used for their tops, but also being used for their bottom. The ox protects the shepherds, and the underneath of the bed is used for storage of shoes. So, okay, the question is still on the table. Why do you say that an ox is an ohel, and a bed is not an ohel, that they were allowed to sleep underneath it? Ella. Amar Rav, Rav answers as follows. Shiny shvarim, shvarim are different. Since they are made to guard over their own innards, which means the back of the ox, in the eyes of the Tyra, is a roof over the innards of the animal, and therefore its inherent purpose is, in fact, to guard what's underneath it. We have a pasuk that supports this, a pasuk in or leather or skin and flesh. Um, you have clothed me, and with bones and with um, sinews, you have been schach over me. You've covered me. So if so, we see clearly, though, there's an indication that the Torah itself, in Pesukim and Tanakh, they refer to the back of the animal as being an ohel, and that's the reason why an animal is an ohel, but a bed would not be an ohel. That's answer number one. Or you could answer, another answer to distinguish between a bed and the case of Tuma with the ox, Rabbi Huda Taime. This is all Rabbi Huda Lishitasai, following the reason that he has said elsewhere in this Masech, the Dama. Sukkah diras keva ba'inan. He holds that a sukkah is diras keva ba'inan. This is a discussion of the Gemara Dav Zayin that is a sukkah, a diras arai. Obviously, the halacha is that you have to live in it like a diras keva for those several days, but the structure is only going to be lasting for seven or eight days. But can you make the sukkah out of very permanent materials, very strong materials, or be you to hold that a sukkah is diras keva? And that's actually the reason why earlier in Daf Beis of Anal, we hold that a sukkah can be more than 20 amos tall, even though you need to use real strong building materials to do it, because it has to be diras keva. And therefore, it plays out as follows. Or you could answer. Sukkah needs to be deras keva, or sorry, can be deras keva, a real permanent structure. The havale mita deras arai, and therefore the scenario we have right now is is the bed is a deras arai, is a temporary, relatively flimsy structure. The sukkah oil keva, and the sukkah is a more permanent and uh, strong and real structure, and therefore the more relatively flimsy structure of the bed, the non-permanent structure of the bed, cannot nullify the status of the sukkah that's surrounding it. So let me just sum up what we're saying right now as follows. Is that um, in a vacuum, both the ox and the bed are an oval. For example, in Hilva Shabbos, there'll be an oval. And the halachas of Tumah, they'll both count as an oval. But when it comes to this particular halacha, being inside a sukkah, now you have to discuss relative um, 
to this sukkah is the bed considered to be an oel? Because right now this person is inside a sukkah, and the sukkah is certainly being all over him. Is the bed relative to the sukkah a significant enough structure to make it that we don't see it that he's sitting in the sukkah and that he's only sleeping underneath the bed? Well, Rabbi Yehuda holds that a sukkah is there as keva, a permanent structure, and we know that the bed is a temporary structure, and therefore he says that it's a technicality over here. He's allowed to sleep under the bed because relative to the sukkah, the bed is seen as being insignificant. But again, seemingly, Rabbi Huda would agree that if we're not talking about relative, then in a vacuum, if you would have either an ox or even a bed on top of Tummah, it would be an oil on top of the Tummah. Okay. Ask the Gemara if that logic is true, then we have a problem. Vaharav Shimon, the Amr Nami, Sukkah Diras Keva Ba'inam, but Rav Shimon also holds that a Sukkah is Diras Keva, and Vasi Ol Arai, Mavatal Ol Keva, and he's going to hold that a temporary structure can be Mavatal, the permanent structure? Because, again, you just told me right now that relative to the Sukkah, the bed is considered to be an only an oil arai, which is a temporary, less permanent, less significant structure. So that's why Rehuda holds you allowed to sleep underneath it. Why does Rav Shimon hold that you cannot sleep underneath the bed, as we saw in the Mishnah? So says the Gemara in Baha Pliki. This is exactly what the Machlokas is between the two of them. Marsavra Asi Ol Arai Keva. One of them holds that a temporary structure can nullify your presence of being inside the more permanent structure. And the other one holds that no, a permanent, a temporary structure cannot ruin your status of being inside the more permanent structure. So again, to summarize very simply, is that we had a machlokas on a mishnah, you sleep underneath the bed. So it turns out that everyone agrees that a bed in a vacuum is considered to be an OL. But the question is, what do we see the bed as in relationship to the sukkah? So relative to the sukkah, if you hold that a sukkah has to be a diras keva, a more permanent and significant structure, a bed is much less significant. So now what's the machlokas? Both Rosh Shimon and the Yehuda both agree that a sukkah has to be a permanent structure, and both of them agree that a bed is a more temporary structure. So what are they arguing about? Why does one hold that you can sleep underneath the bed, namely Rabbi Yehuda, and why does one hold you cannot sleep under the bed, namely Rabbi Shimon? So the more answer is that that is exactly their machlokas. Their machlokas is, does a temporary structure ruins one's status of being inside the more permanent structure? Rabbi Yehuda says no, and that's why he allows you to sleep underneath the bed, and Rabbi Shimon says yes, and that's why he does not allow you to sleep underneath the bed. Okay, up to the two dots. Quote from the Mishnah, Amar of Shimon, there's a story of Shimon, that he tells about his servant Tevi, who was willing to sleep underneath the bed, and he used that as evidence of the fact that since we know slaves do not have to sleep inside the sukkah, they don't have to eat inside the sukkah, and that's the reason why he was willing to sleep underneath the bed. If Shimon indicated from that that we see that if one is a full-fledged Jew, and not just an Evi then in fact they would not be able to sleep underneath the bed because um, the temporary structure would ruin one's status of being inside the permanent structure. So let's analyze this. Tanya. The Bryce says as follows. Amr of Shimon. Rav Shimon commented, we see chasoy shal Rebbe Gamliel. From the conversations of Rebbe Gamliel, lamadnu shnei dvarim, we learned two things. Lamadnu, we learned, shavadim b'turmin we learned that avadim are pater from sukkah, because like we said, an avikrani is obligated in mitzvahs like an isha, and an isha is obligated in all mitzvahs except for those that are mitzvah magrama, which sukkah is included. Vilamanu, another thing we learned from this passing conversation was shayashon tachas hamita, that someone who sleeps underneath the bed, lo yatzidei chavasoi, has not fulfilled his obligation. Now, ask the Gemara, 
why do we say from the conversation of Rengam Liel? Say from the words. He said a statement. He said very clearly these two things, that an Eved is not obligated to be in a sukkah. And number two, uh, we learned that sleeping underneath the bed in a sukkah is not good. Why does it say misichasoy from his conversation, simply say mitzvah from his words? So answers the Gemara, milsa agav orche kamash malan. Milsa agav orche means a milsa, words, agav orche, by, by way of this conversation, this presentation, Kamash Malan, we're able to learn from here. Meaning, there's a side point that we're picking up from this Gemara, and that's as follows. Like that which of Acha Ba'ada said, for Amrila, Amr of Acha Ba'ada, Amr of Himnuna, some say it was of Acha Ba'ada said over the name of Himnuna, Amar Rav, in the name of Rav, from where do we know that even the conversations of a Tamil Chacham need analysis in terms of the fact that we can assume just just from the regular conversation, you're able to learn lessons from Shanem Arva Alehu Lo Yibol, as the Pasuk says, Vale Lo Yibol is a Pasuk at Tehillim, Vale Lo Yibol is and his leaves will not wither, and as Rashi points out, the leaf is relatively insignificant, so too, Talmud HaChamim, even their words would seem to be insignificant, the regular, seemingly mundane conversations, there's so much you can learn from it, and so too over here, from this passing conversation with Gamliel, that he was telling over the actions of his slave Tevi, we learned two major halachas, one of them was the halacha that a slave is potter from sukkah, and the other halacha is, is that you are allowed to, you're not allowed to sleep underneath the bed inside a sukkah. And again, uh, we could pause and focus on this for a long time, but the great people are so careful with their words and what they say and how they say it and when they say it and to whom they say it, all these things can be analyzed. So it's interesting to note there's a safer that's written uh, based on um, passing conversations that someone had with the Shomaz Alman Arbach, the two-volume set, and he named the Sefer Va'alei Lo Yibol, uh, seemingly based on this Gemara and Sukkot Avchaf Maze, that even just from his casual, quick conversations he had with the Shomaz Alman, walking him home from Yeshiva to his home, and walking home from Shul to his home, etc., he's able to glean so many life's lessons, and that's certainly something that we need to learn from this, that great people, the way that they talk and how they talk, we really can learn many lessons from them. Okay. Baruch Hashem, we were Messiah in the first Mishnah. Let us move on to the next Mishnah. So keep in mind that back then their beds were very commonly those post beds that you see in the museums and other places. So again, since they have these posts and they have this frame, uh, it's very possible to put schach on top of a sukkah. Obviously, you'd have to be dealing with a case that there's curtains all around it, like a canopy around the bed. But now that you have the canopy acting as the walls and you have the frame of the bed that's able to open the schach, the mission discussed, can one be yotze with a sukkah that was built on top of a bed? So he says as follows, Someone who rests the schach of his sukkah on the legs of the posts of the bed. Shera, it is kosher, says the Tanakhama. Rabbi Huda Omer, again, we have Rabbi Huda once again in the second Mishnah, if it cannot stand on its own, meaning it's only standing because of the posts of the bed, Psula is not going to be kosher. Again, Machlok is Tanakhama, Rabbi Huda, Tanakhama holds a sukkah made on the frame of a bed is kosher, and Rabbi Huda holds it is not kosher. The Gemara is now going to analyze the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. My time at Rabbi Huda. What is the rationale of Rabbi Huda? Then one is not Yotze. Pligi bar Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Abba, Bar Mamo. It's machlokus between Rabbi Zera and Rabbi Abba Bar Marmo, why Rabbi Huda was Machmer. 
One explains because it's not keva. And don't forget, we established in the previous Gemara that Rehuda holds that a sukkah needs to be dear as keva, a permanent structure. Well, a bed, by definition, is not a permanent structure. Bread, a bed is metaltalin. It's a movable object that you can move it from place to place. And he would hold, therefore, that it's not a kosher sukkah. And that's why Rehuda and the Mishnah is machmer that a sukkah made in a bed is not kosher because it's not a diras keva, it's not a permanent significant structure. The chad amr, and the other one says, no, the reason why Behuda's machmer is mipnesha mamida bedavar hamakabal tumah. The reason why is, is because you are holding up the schach with something that is mikabel tumah, that is susceptible to become tamay. So to stop and to explain what this means, simply put, is that in halacha, an item can only become tamay if it is a kli, if it is a vessel. And um, the halacha is, is that one cannot, it's not ma'akev, and this is a share for a different time, one cannot support their schach with something that's mekabel tumah. They can't support the schach. We know that the schach itself cannot be something that's possibly become tameh. Uh, and there's other specifications of what counts as kosher schach, but the schach itself certainly cannot be a vessel. You cannot use... Um, Certain types of bows and arrows, you can't use ladders, you can't use certain types of lattice work if they count as a kli to be the schach. The question is, can you support the schach with something that's able to become tameh? And according to one of the opinions here, the reason why Behuda is machmir in our case of the Mishnah is simply because a bed counts as a kli, a bed is possible to become tameh, and therefore cannot act as the support for the schach. Okay, so now anytime you have two opinions, you have to ask, what's the nafkimi? What's the difference between the two opinions? We have a machlokis between Rabbi Zeira and Rabbi Abba Bar Marmel. What the reason is, Rabbi Yehuda is machmer, you can't put schach on a bed. One of them says it's because a bed is not a diras keva and the sukkah has to be diras keva. And the other one says it's because you're supporting the schach with something that is able to become tame. What is the nafkim between the two? That's the question of the Gemara. Last two words on the line, fourth in lines up. My beinayu, what is the difference between these two reasons? Answers the Gemara, I'll give you an example. If someone drove metal spits into the ground, noats means to drive it into the ground, to dig it into the ground, shpudim are spits, uh, metal spits, made out of iron. And then use that as the frame to put your sock on top of. Is that a kosher sukkah or not? According to the reason that says the reason why you can't put the sock on top of the bed is because it's not a permanent structure. Well, this structure made out of metal spits that's driven into the ground is a permanent structure, and therefore seemingly it will be kosher for a sukkah. But according to the second opinion, that says the reason why you cannot support the schach with a bed is because the bed is able to become tamay, here by the case of the metal spits that are being driven to the ground, that can become tamay, and therefore it would not be a kosher sukkah, and therefore this is a very good example of a case that's the nafkamina, that's the difference between the two, that again, if you have a sukkah structure that is made out of metal frame, then if the reason why the bed sukkah was no good is because it's not keva, the metal frame is keva, and if the reason why the bed sukkah is no good is because you can't support the sukkah when it's not that they can become tamay, while the metal spits can become tamay. Uh, as an aside, it needs to be mentioned that if someone does have a metal frame sukkah, that's the reason why you should put long wooden beams on top of the metal frames across and have the schach be held up by those wooden beams, because then the support of your schach is not the metal frame, but the immediate support of your schach is the wood beams, which are not able to become tamay. Okay, let's finish off the daf. Amar Abai. Abai says, Lo shanu el 
This is the only time about a case where it's literally resting on the frame of the bed. But if one actually puts schach over a bed, it's going to be kosher. And Rashi explains this means, is imagine you had a bed, and you're using the walls of the bed, because again, like we said before, there's a canopy around the bed, and not getting into details too much, assuming you tie down the canopy walls a lot that they don't flap. So you're using the walls of the bed as the walls for your sukkah, but there's actually a wooden frame that was built over the bed that the schach is resting on the wooden frame and is not resting on top of the bed. So interesting case. Um, I don't have the picture book in front of me. I'm imagining they would have a picture in the back of that right now. But again, you're dealing with a case where someone built a wooden frame, put the schach on top of that, Underneath the wooden frame, they put a bed that I'm assuming fit perfectly, and the walls of the sukkah are the walls of the bed. That, says Abayi, would be kosher. Because again, the reasons we gave before wouldn't necessarily apply. My taima, Lamanda Amar. What's the reason why it's kosher? Lamanda Amar, the fisha in keva. The reason, according to the reason we said earlier that it's not kosher when you put it on the bed itself is because the bed is not keva. Harayesh la keva. Here it is permanent because this is a permanent wooden structure built into the ground that the schach is on top of. And Lamanda Amar, Ipnei. And according to the reason that says the reason why it's not kosher on top of a bed is because the bed is able to come tamay, is not being held up by something that can become tuma because again, it's being held up by this wood frame attached to the ground and not being held up by a bed. Okay, Rabbi Sai, that is the end of Baruch Hashem, Daf Chaf Beis. We've covered well over a daf at this point, and everyone should have Siyat Deshmai with their Chazara, and we will go weiter next week when I get back. Kotov.